wee while ago, like, isn't it? 2017. Yeah, it's a whole pandemic ago. A whole pandemic ago. That's one way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I might start using that as like a measurement of <laughs> units of time from now on. Yep. One pandemic ago. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I, yeah, I'm all set up and I believe we are going, hopefully. Um, it's picking you up as well. That would be lovely. Um, so, yeah, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I'm here with Mark Stedman. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. No problem. So yeah, as I, as I was saying, I, I uh, first found you by subscribing to your email list. And then um, I think around the same time I discovered Podian, which was um, my first uh, podcast platform, the one that I used when I first kicked off this show all those many moons ago. Uh, so, yeah, man, I mean, do, do you want to talk a little bit about Podian and, and how you got that started and like why you decided, oh, you know, what must have been seven, eight years ago that you started this? You decided that podcasts were the, the business that you were going to going to pitch into. Well, I was into podcasting. Um, I, I, well, I made my first podcast in 2008 and I got. Uh, and I, I, shortly thereafter, I started producing for other people and really loved the medium and just furiously experimented and developed new shows, new formats. <laughs> I've got a cat that's just decided right now he's going to play with my carpet. Oh, Sorry. yeah, that's all right. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I experimented with new uh, new formats all the time. In 2010, I had a zombie-themed comedy panel show, uh, which was a little bit high concept, um, but it was a lot of fun. And in uh, 2014, I started a podcast network uh, with a, a small group of friends, and, and we had a few shows, and it got me to go to Atlanta um, in Georgia to... Uh, uh, to you know i sort of made a friend that that i uh you know slept on his uh on his couch kind of thing and and you know that was fun so it kind of took me on some little adventures and then in 2016 i left my job and i was doing all sorts of stuff um i would sort of do anything digital that paid and um so i was doing i was reading audiobooks and making websites and apps which was my uh which is what i'd been doing previously uh, and then also i thought this i really want to get into editing podcasts and getting paid to to do so just a couple of years after serial had had exploded um and so i you know put myself out there as a as as a uh, an audio editor and got a little bit of work um and then all my work almost all of my work has has come through kind of come through that one client cuz you know he recommended me and 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 it spread um and then at the end of the year i was working on a show and i'd been hosting with a company and wasn't super satisfied with um what was happening there were just some technical difficulties and because i was a techie that like I was sort of dissatisfied with that. So I thought, ah, I've done this before. I, I did it with the hosting, uh, with the podcast network I set up, which I, which I disbanded earlier in the year. So it's was like, I have all the code. I have all the, I know how all this stuff works. Why don't I give it another go and, and try and run an actual hosting service? And, and I started it up. It was originally pay what you can. Uh, we pivoted to um, a community tier and then a professional uh, tier and yeah, um, started sort of opened the doors properly in 2017, and then it went. It became my full time job in 2018, and then in 20 in the spring of 2021, um, it got to the point where I kind of thought I've taken this as far as I can, and it's you know maybe time to uh, see see what else I can do. Um, and so I had a conversation with, uh, the company Castos who, uh, acquired the business and, and took care of the, the customers. Cause that was my, my big concern. I spoke to other people as well who weren't, you know, uh, they wanted to acquire the company, but weren't looking to acquire the customers and didn't want to take care of them and stuff. So, uh, that's sort of from where I am to now, which is, uh, running, um, I'm still writing, uh, still ostensibly writing to the same list that I was writing to back in 2017 when you subscribed, <laughs> um, but helping people uh, launch and, and grow podcasts and um, understand the medium better and feel good and, and, and confident in what they make. 
So that's me. <laughs> well, that's quite a comprehensive history. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but well, I, I asked, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you talk now. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, it's fascinating. So, I mean, that, that must have been, like, what was it like giving up something that you, like a company that you'd worked so hard on? Because, I, I mean, not everyone ever gets to, gets to be in that position. They can They can have, say, like a hobby that they work on or something and they like put their project together and um or i don't know maybe like a project at work but they're, they're never like building something that is like absolutely theirs their name stamped on it and then has to go well i'm gonna like give that up i mean like what's that like i think because I was kind of ready to at that point, I think if it had been someone who'd come along and backed a truck full of money up to my driveway and said, do you want to take a look inside the truck? Um, I might have felt differently and I probably would have felt, you know, okay, I would have, I would have had a um, truck full of money and been able to swim around in it like Scrooge McDuck. But I think I would have felt maybe like, there was more that I could have done. And um, yeah, because it, it is, um, it's, it was the best thing I'd ever done. Um, and so to get to that point was difficult, but not that impossible because I just realized like I've been push, pushing this boulder up this hill um, to, to try and grow this, this thing. And like, I know how to make it. I know how to, and I know how to look after my customers and how to communicate with customers, um, and, and work with people who are also good at that. And, and I, you know, I know the industry, but that doesn't mean that you can scale, you know, what is essentially a software as a service product. And that's a whole different thing and takes a lot of time and energy and, and, and talent. And, um, those were things, that I just didn't know how to do. And so, yeah, it was, it was hard to let it go, but it was kind of easy to, it was the right decision and, and still feels like the right decision. Okay. I mean, like when, how much, how much experience did you have in like the business world? So I, was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a real question because a lot of people who end up in, in positions where, especially these days where people like, creators are building their own little things all over the place and then they get to a moment where it crosses over and it stops being like um it stops being like a hobby and it starts being their business and that transition is weird i think for a lot of freelancers especially when it goes from like a side hustle to their full-time gig but then even from that to like to go from being self-employed to running a company like who taught you anything or was it literally just like flying by the seat of your pants? <laughs> I mean, your the, B, the B one, <laughs> the, the, the one from the B column mostly. Um, I mean, I, yeah, like the, it's yeah. All the stuff apart from the business stuff. I mean, I, I've, I've been a freelancer for, I've been on, on and off freelancing for, for years. And uh, I actually left because I rejoined a job that I'd previously left uh, in order to start up another um, software venture and that that was a social sort of citizen journalist social network thing and um didn't quite pan out but uh, it so i knew some of the ropes and i knew the ropes in terms of the software as a service stuff but yeah how you i mean you know and i knew cash flow i knew all that kind of stuff and 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 you know making sure that you've you're you're making ends meet and what is acceptable risk and all that kind of stuff um, but what I didn't know, and I think is, is difficult to teach is building an audience, which I, I was lucky in that I sort of did, I was able to do that, but I didn't know how that was, that felt like alchemy, um, uh, and luck and a bit of timing and, or whatever, because I could so easily have built the thing and no one turned up, but we got to a point where there were thousands of people using, using the platform. Mm. Um, and it, that was kind of to a degree lightning in a bottle. That's really hard to, you know, to, to take, but yeah, I think you can like this. A lot of it is learnable. A lot of it is teachable, but 
I think some of it is just, it's, I was going to say it's better experienced. And I think if you can do that, what you want to be able to do is experience the highs and lows, but not have that be dependent on whether you can make rent. Because if you are taking up all of your mental cycles, worrying about when the next pay packet is due or how you're going to pay your mortgage, then you're not being able to focus on what it is that you're building. And that wasn't that much of a problem for me, but it is something that I've become aware of. So I don't know if I'm that helpfully answering your question, but because the short answer is like, no, no one taught me and I had to build my parachute on the way down. No, I mean, that's that's the, the honest answer. Then that's the honest answer, you know? Uh, it, it's it's not, yeah, it's not a, a bad answer. I mean, that, that's probably reassuring <laughs> to many people, reassuring yeah. to myself, especially as well. I mean, like I'm in a position where I'm figuring out like how I make this thing like a little bit more of like my full-time gig, essentially, um, whilst having a full-time gig. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is mm-hmm. which is fine like i mean i i love it and and that's great but it's 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 a real like so sometimes i'm like i, I have i i have no idea what i'm doing like it's bit like even with this podcast like i i'm totally un, unsure as to like where to go with it like I, you know, it's it's. I'm like figuring out as it as it goes, but it's completely like I have no idea what's beyond like a few episodes or, you know, the some people I've spoke to. <laughs> like it could all fall apart tomorrow, but it's it's a weird. That's one. the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I haven't been cancelled yet, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> here's hoping. No, <laughs> but like. Do you do you have a like? Did you have a mentor of of, of any form, like someone that you would have like gone to for for I don't know advice in business? Not or? then, but I do now, uh, and that's one of the the best decisions that I that I made um, is to have someone that I could uh, work with. I, I now have a coach. Uh, I mean, even you know three, well, yeah, even two years ago, that would have been an absolute like that would have been an anathema to me. Like, what are you talking about, coach? Come on. Um, but I do have someone that I can turn to um, and it's someone who kind of keeps me honest and keeps me accountable. And and it's someone where if I think about, because one of the things that's very easy, if you have a certain type of brain, uh, a certain type of, I guess, problem solving brain is you can get the dopamine hit from solving a problem, but it's not the problem that needs to be solved at that time. You know, the problem that might need to be solved at that time is, you need more customers or you need uh, to fix this uh, problem, this low-hanging fruit that you know how to solve, but it's boring to solve, but it'll make your customers happy, but it's boring. Um, versus like you, you've you had an idea for something, you can get that quick that quick sort of dopamine hit by, by acting on that and solving that particular problem, and that feels great. Um, but you can easily get into a rut of doing that. And, and then you realize you've made no headway on the business side. You know, you've got a great product, but you've not, you know, done, done much on the business side. And that is my, that was my uh, part of the, the, the mistake that I made because I was working on my own. Um, and I didn't have someone who could sort of keep me honest and, and, and keep an eye on me <laughs> or someone that I could report to and say, like, you said you were going to do X amount of things this week to increase your customer base or to to grow or to get the word out or whatever. Have you done any of those things? And I could go, no, but I did rebuild the RSS parser so that this thing now happens and it goes to this JSON feed. And it's like, okay, cool. I did that. How does that increase your business? Well, it doesn't, but it makes the product nicer. Yeah, but does it, you know, bring new people in? And, and so there's this thing in um, is the, the uh, famous book, by uh, I think it was an Olympic rower, um, which is uh, has this concept of does it make the boat go faster? So when they were training, uh, this Olympic rowing team were training, and the question that would he that that would govern any decision that the team made is will it make the boat go faster? So if someone's contemplating having a kebab, will it make the boat? Go, oh, probably not. Make the boat go faster? No. Uh, will if we get up at five in the morning and train really hard, will it make the boat go faster? Yeah, it will eventually. Um, and so when you start to think in those terms, um, that really helps. But you need someone 
that can help do that because it's really, really hard to do that on your own. Did you go it's certainly and- my experience anyway? Yeah. Did you go? Did was it someone you knew? Was it like was it someone you knew before, or did you go? Are you, it was um, find them, and was it yeah. a conscious decision, or did it sort of happen by accident? It was very much a conscious decision. Uh, I was sat on my sofa um, last summer thinking, I know my tendencies. I know what I'm like. I'm building a new business now, um, which is a, a sort of blog and a, and a membership uh, site for for people uh, that want to use podcasting um, to further their message. And so I was sat there thinking, like, I know what I'm like. I know I could build a bunch of stuff um, and not make the boat go faster. And so I need someone who can help keep me accountable and I put the word out and it just so happens that someone I'd met at a public speaking event that I used to run says, well, I'm a coach. Uh, let's have a chat. And and we did. And, and you know, we, we meet up uh, on zoom every week. Uh, and so, yeah, it was absolutely a conscious uh, decision and it came about because I learned about the power of um, having sort of a mastermind or having a group of people that you can turn to, you know, so even if a coach doesn't feel like the right thing, what is really good is to have a buddy group or have an accountability group. Uh, and, you know, these are things that I think you can, you can find online. There's places like Indie Hackers, uh, Indie, Indie Worldwide, um, which is a Slack uh, community. Um, you know, if you can start to make friends with people who are doing stuff in the same kind of space, you can find these people and just meet up and be accountable to each other. That kind of stuff can really, really help if you don't feel like like a coach is something that you you want to do because that feels like a, a whole thing and I get it. There's yeah. a barrier there, but um sometimes just getting a mastermind together and and knowing that like I've got to rock up at this group, uh, you know, every Wednesday or whatever. And I've got to I said that I was going to do something and I want to make sure that I've delivered and, and you know, so there's so many reasons why it's a, mm. a good way to go. Yeah, when you say mastermind, like I, it sounds like a great idea. In my head, I'm imagining the brain trust in Scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, for I don't know, for people who are maybe still thinking, it's like, well, what, I don't know, the life coach thing can sound so cliche and mm-hmm. so, I don't know, just you know, airhead in California is like, well, you know, my life coach told me that I, sh- I need to drink more cucumber water. So that's what I'm, you know, do you, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what people imagine. Like, have you got like a good example, like of how this has functioned, like in the real world? Yeah, it's super practical. Um, she's, I mean, for one thing, she's Dutch. So like she's, <laughs> she's pretty direct. Um, and so she will, um, yeah, she will sort of say, like what how is how is this how is this thing that you're doing helping have you thought about this um and sometimes it's about getting a, a sort of a nice pick me up or, or or a nice pep talk uh if you know if i need it if i'm feeling down if i'm feeling uh, a lack of confidence which is so often the case i can get someone who's well look look at the stuff you've done you know let's look at what you need to do but also let's let's look at what you've done and no there, there's no there's no um mung beans there's no lemongrass there's no uh nothing's herbal um she hasn't switched me to a vegan diet yet um you know none of that stuff comes in it is it is really just about what is it you want you want to achieve and how do we get you there and how do we keep uh regularly just checking in and and that is that is what it is um like you i i had this idea of what a life coach would be and it's nothing it's not that at all it is someone who can look at your progress each week and help you map out your progress and help you um you know if if you've got a huge thing to do it's like eating an elephant how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time and they help you line up those bites and and um, figure out like where the cutlery is or whatever. Like his metaphors getting away from me, but that's what they do. And um, yeah, there's um, there's no um, there's, there's no uh, <laughs> um, almond milk involved, <laughs> unless yeah. you want almond milk. Yeah, well, no, yeah, I mean it's it's nice. I mean, I I don't <laughs> like it in fun. coffee. I I don't know what mm. it is. I just it spoils. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't drunk milk and coffee in about eight years now. 
Oh, I mean, I my mum, my mum hasn't remembered that. My mum still asks me if I want milk, but um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> are you one of these people who like who who tried the the bullet coffees when they were super popular? I absolutely did. I did when I went that that time I went keto. Um, I did give the bulletproof coffee a go. It's, bulletproof coffee. I mean, that's it, yeah. It's like butter. I mean, that was a joke in The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> All right. Yes. Marge and Homer are in bed, and 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 um, Homer is complaining that Marge let him get fat, and she says, "I'm not the one who puts butter in your coffee." <laughs> and then that's literally what you do with bulletproof coffee: it's butter and coconut milk and cream. It's mental. It's delicious, though. Really, I never tried it. I do coconut yeah. oil in my coffee. Ooh, I can dig it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, it was just because I, I read a thing, and this is, this is one of those things that you know, you just like read something and try it, and like this seems better, and you've no idea if it actually is. Um, mm. I read uh, in one of Tim Ferriss's books, I cannot remember which one, maybe the Four Hour Work Week, maybe something mm. else, but he was like, yeah, I discovered that I was like really tired even after my coffee. And I discovered that coconut oil helped me like have more energy through the day and made my brain work better. I was sharper. And I was like, I'll try it. And I tried it. And I felt maybe a bit sharper. I don't know if that's just complete placebo, if I'm totally yeah, yeah, making it up. But there you go. You know. It's all right. I'm Options there if you want it. I bet there's loads of great things that were discovered that way. So... Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you talked about building an audience a little bit earlier there, and you you mentioned this thing about alchemy, about like is it like <laughs> is it storm in a bottle as we as you we have a cat on on screen, lovely. Uh, <laughs> he's very disruptive today. Well, it's alright. He's usually quite well behaved, but today he's being very disruptive. It's all right. I mean, <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the YouTube channel that I believe is subscribed to most by the people who are subscribed to this channel is Roaring Kitty. So um, there you go. <laughs> it suits. There you uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, but so the, the storm in the bottle, the alchemy, the mm. lightning, and that's what, what it's like what you were talking about, trying to build an audience or build your, your customer base or, or build your product. Mm -hmm. And... Is it just alchemy and luck and timing and a little bit maybe of talent? Like, is it is it like ninety percent just like catching the moment? It's more than we like to admit. I don't know the actual ratio, but it's definitely more than a lot of people like to admit. I think uh, timing is such a big thing. Um, but I, I liken it to this: um, luck is like. Um, whether you want to call it luck, you want to call it fortune or providence, whatever. Luck is like, um, you know, in the cartoons, you get um, someone turns on a hose and the hose is left unattended and it just like spirals uh, wildly around um, with water spraying everywhere. That's luck. And your job is to pop up in the garden up through as many different mole hills and, and, and holes as you can in order to get hosed. Um, and that's basically what you're trying to do is trying to be in the path of that hose pipe as much as possible, um, because it will just go and everywhere and everywhere. And all you can do is just be in the places where it's going to be. And that means showing up and that means showing up regularly. And that's why people talk about consistency. They don't use that weird metaphor, but that's why people talk about consistency when it comes to the content that you put out, because it is about showing up and um you know, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take and all that stuff. Like all those cliches exist because the difficult thing that we don't reckon with often is how prosaic and kind of dull and, and simple any kind of audience building is. It just, it, it, you can't do it quickly. You can do it quickly if you're lucky. And I got lucky once or, or I got the timing right once, or, you know, it was a mate, like whatever it was. I, you know, I spoke to the right people at the right time that it, 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 you know, was good and it was backed by a good product. It was backed by something I could, I could, you know, stand by. Um, and, but yeah, it, it, it that, that is, I, I think, like I said, luck backed by a good product, but um, yeah, it's, 
it is definitely a factor. Um, and, you know, there's all sorts of other things that, that get woven into that, like privilege and, and all sorts of stuff. And so I think if you recognize that, but you show up and you, um, you try and work consistently, uh, uh, then that is how this kind of stuff gets built by normal people. Mm. So you're like a, I wouldn't say old school podcaster, <laughs> but, um, but you've been around since like sure. the earlier days of the, yeah. of the format, right? Should we put it that way? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll take it. Okay. Cause yeah, you know, I mean, when did you first discover the format actually in, in its beautiful infancy? In, in its actual like name uh, th- that we call it now, uh, yeah. probably two thousand and five, because I think one of the early. first. Yeah, well, because the the actual format itself was invented. The, the the technology, if you like, was invented in two thousand and four, which is the year I graduated uni. When I graduated uni, I was doing on demand radio stuff um, because uh, the BBC had their i think they just called it the bbc radio player at the time uh and they had their listen again service so this was a this revolutionary thing where you could um any of the radio programs that were on you could click a button and you could hear that specific program again in a little pop-up player uh on on your desktop um and i ended up building something like that with a very simple system as part of a uni project and so i'd been kind of you know messing around with on-demand audio in that kind of format but it wasn't formalized until later uh and so then like i can't remember if it was the ricky gervais show or there was a podcast by my then favorite band bare naked ladies i think they had a show uh early on there was one or two of those that i i subscribed to very early in my um on, on winamp on my on my windows uh xp machine and uh, that's how I got, that's how I started falling in love with it. But I'm kind of annoyed at myself, kind of kicking myself that I didn't, st- it didn't even occur to me to start until about three years later. In America, they have a different tradition. They have this ham radio tradition. They have uh, their, their speech radio is very different. They also have like open access TV stuff. Like I think that that kind of on-ramp feels a lot, uh, smoother, or if you like, uh, or a lot less steep um, for Americans, which is obviously you know where where podcasting originated. Whereas for us, we had the BBC, and you must come correct if you're going to uh, think about turning on a mic and 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 you know spreading your message. Um, I think that's a part of it, and so I kind of fell into that, and I, I thought no, I shouldn't, I, I can't, I, I wouldn't make a podcast. What would I make a podcast about? And now people just pick up their phone and go you know i'm just gonna spit some some words into my phone and call it a podcast yeah 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 i mean like this show Uh (laughs) you've got preparation you've you've got you know you've got a zoom link and everything i know i know that sounded like damning with faint praise i didn't mean that (laughs) no don't worry (laughs) i mean i've even got I've even got books sometimes that I read. This isn't for this one. This is one. Of, this is an upcoming sneak preview, people. China Ooh. Unbound with, yeah, Joanna Tree. I think I pronounced that correctly. Probably not. But um, she can scold me about it in person. <laughs> so, yeah, so you're, you well, you could have been getting $100 million from Spotify and going into wars with <laughs> CNN. Like, that could have been you. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I think no. I think maybe I would have had an agreement with the Guardian, and then you know had a quiet <laughs> disagreement and disappeared. That's probably what what would have happened. <laughs> but you're definitely right. Like the 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 culture around podcasting in, in the US is definitely a little bit different, and I've noticed mm-hmm. that, especially in that in in Britain, um, a lot of the most popular shows are all quite corporate, and like to, that's I mean that's not necessarily a stab. Um, I mean, it could be interpreted as a stab, and I would say it's probably a stab in most cases, but that doesn't necessarily make it bad, right? Because um, there's some great so what, stuff. What is corporate? What is corporate to you? Uh, so, like to me, that would I would mean that the difference is in Britain, a lot of the top shows are produced by an institution or a podcast network or a media company. Whereas mm-hmm. in America, a lot of the big shows tend to be individuals who have built up something themselves or it's like... Is that true? Indi- yeah, I mean, that. well, I mean, that might just be my perception of it. 
Yeah, because I, I, I would challenge that. I think it's... Um, maybe that's just who I'm just, listening to, maybe? Yeah, quite quite possibly, because I'd, I'd argue it's it's just as corporate in America. Um, it's just that there are far many, so much more. I, I'm struggling with the grammar there. There are so many more podcasts in America that it, it is easier to make an independent choice. And so if you're into, you know, whether it's tech or whatever, especially tech, minded shows you know whether it's mkbhd or it's accidental tech podcast or it's you know real relay fm who make a lot of tech based podcasts they're still they're a network but they're not i wouldn't call them corporate um but in the wider space uh i would say it's it's maybe even a little more corporate than it is in, in the uk maybe i'm just looking at the wrong sorts of people maybe i'm thinking about it like in terms of like the big podcast like icons Whereas mm-hmm. in, in the UK, I find that people who are big media personalities then have a show mm-hmm. that tends to be quite widely listened to. Um, mm-hmm. Say someone like James O'Brien has his um, yep. his show, or I can't even remember what it's called. But, um, but you know, a lot, a lot of people <gasps> have did. The, Unfiltered? Un, unfiltered. Maybe it was Unfiltered. Um, and then, he's had a couple, yeah, but because he's had the radio show, so you know yeah. he's he's kind of pivoted that way. Yeah. So, but I guess my point is that like I see, I feel like they people have become they are stars, and then they have that as a side thing. Whereas yeah. in America, yeah. it tends to be a lot of people who have become big because of that, like the Joe Rogans, the mm-hmm. um, Adam Carollas, the people like that, that that have really become huge personalities just from that show maybe even like you could consider some comedians in in that vein like uh tim dylan uh dave smith um that sort of mark maron you know i mean mark maron was was in that that early guard as well mm. uh and and that's how you know Bill how things Burr work for him well, yeah chris hardwick um there's uh there's that yeah there's a few in that sort of 2008 ish um rush i think uh that that sort of yeah um have have done very well but they are able to do that because they were there then you know adam carolla uh another like he's a proper og he's been doing that for a long time um and and joe rogan i think was was the same was was doing it for for a long time and so yeah um i think it would be really hard to be able to do that now uh i think it is really really hard to sort of to establish yourself as a, a, a like, because f- when they started, podcasting wasn't that big. So they could be a big fish in a small pond. Now the pond is so much bigger. It's really hard, I think, to, to, to sort of, you know, rock up and be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to own this piece because there's just, it's a lot of fish. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fish and it's a very big pond now. Yeah. I mean, this is a stupid goal I've set myself, but here we are. <laughs> uh- <laughs> well, listen, you know, you look at, um, I can't remember how long MKBHD is. And if, if you don't know who I'm talking about, he's a, a tech YouTuber. Um, and he he started, how, oh God, I can't remember. I mean, he's a young lad anyway, but he, when he when he started, he was a very young, he was a boy, he was a young boy. Um, and he had a tiny little webcam on his computer, really, you know, low, low quality. And he was just there reviewing whatever he, he had. And he just kept building and building and building. And now he has this, you know, stunning uh, studio and he has a small team and he is an independent, um, but he's just, he's sweated it and and just worked really, really hard and been really talented at it. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's, it's really hard to do that, <laughs> especially yeah. with, you know, having a life and a job and all that kind of stuff. It's um, you have to, I think you have to do that to the exclusion of almost everything else. And that takes a certain type of mindset. Yeah. I mean, I tend to get obsessed with things. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm very bad at saying once lies like I, I took over this tiny little bar in Austria and I was like, not content with just making it run well. I was like, it's going to be the greatest bar in the world. And I, <laughs> I do like claim that for two years it was the greatest bar in the world. Um, but in, nice. so now I have moved on to the podcast, and I'm like, well, I mean, there's no point in stopping until I have the greatest podcast in the world. I mean, I'm not really sure I'm capable of that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I like that. Um, it's just it might take it might take a bit longer than than it might take to build a bar up. I don't know. Mm, um, probably because audio, yeah, audio is a slow growth medium. It's one of the things that I'm realizing more and more and more. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, we, we, we are have on video this, here because this is going on YouTube. Yes. 
So um, at least that helps. I think the video the video side is definitely definitely growing a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and I think I I tend to I I tend to focus on the audio because of of just sort of my my interests and um and that's where you know most most podcasting is uh is is audio um but yeah i it's i've ground to a halt there because i don't actually have a point that's all right so you drive i i no problem <laughs> i had a point where we were going somewhere with this thank uh, god for that <laughs> so essentially we, I, the point i was we, i was hoping we would eventually get towards was that you're an old school podcast dude and then since then <laughs> oh, we've yes. had we've had <laughs> I remember that web 2 um and now we've got like people touting like web 3 and podcasting 2.0 and like yeah what do you make of all of this and what is yeah. it first off actually oh brilliant question i'm actually in the process of writing a great big blog post which will be on the uh, said email newsletter um about what what podcasting 2.0 is and why it's relevant for uh, you know, busy people who have got lives. Um, you know, it's it's my job to sort of know all of the things, but it's not every podcaster's job to have to care about that stuff. So those two things you mentioned, we've got Web3 and Podcasting 2.0. Web3 is largely, in my opinion, as an, a, an old school web, web guy who lived through Web 1.0 and 2.0, <laughs> I kind of think, and even the fact that everybody's writing it, like when they write Web3, they're writing it in the same way. It's basically... Um, a shibboleth it's basically a um it's a it's a phrase that i think is something that denotes a club and if you know the right web to because no one knows what web3 is but it is a um it is a way of saying if you talk about web3 then you're in our then you're you're in our gang um and i think it's 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 a way that People, certain people can sort of say, ah, if you're not talking about Web3, then you're no longer relevant, whereas no one can actually define. They know it's something to do with blockchain. Maybe it's something to do with VR and the metaverse, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Um, so that's kind of my take on Web3. It's 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 just a f- phrase that people can use to call themselves the in-group and to differentiate themselves they know um, they're the ones that know we should listen yeah, to the, them yeah, absolutely. And they, they know and that's all we should yeah. ask <laughs> yeah okay that's it um it's like looking at redundant in the dictionary it says see redundant what is web three well wow. <laughs> web it's web it's web three mate if you don't you know, can't help you if you don't know. I keep um, hearing it's the future, then, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's it. That, what's with it? It's the future. Mm-hmm. Um, Podcasting 2.0 is an initiative that was co-created uh, by one of the co-creators of podcasting, um, Adam Curry, who used to be a, a VJ for MTV. Um, and he he persuaded uh, a chap to make some tech changes that enabled podcasting to happen um, back in 2004. And then in 2020, following the... This is my understanding of, of the potted history anyway. In 2020, he became more concerned with Apple uh, making decisions about what it would allow in and out of its uh, database, its podcasting you know, directory, which a lot of apps, more and more apps now have splintered away from, from the Apple podcasts directory, but it's still, I think, regarded as kind of the, the place, um, the sort of directory of all podcasts. Um and they Apple started making decisions based on uh, policy um, violations, mm. uh, namely by Alex Jones. I think that might have been the the <laughs> touch lighting the blue touch paper oh, incident. It always starts with Alex Jones, doesn't it? Doesn't it always? Um, I just I wish it would end with him. Um, <laughs> no, so, no, that's the like if if everything ends with Alex Jones being right, oh God, we have no. had the worst end to humanity that was possible. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah, no, bad times. Um, yes, <laughs> so I I, I kind of think it was spurred on by by that, and and so I think it was enough. Uh, enough was enough for Adam, uh, and so he. Sp- sort of ended up spearheading two initiatives. One of them is the Podcast Index, which is an open index of podcasts. Everyone is accepted. No one is censored. Um, What I like about that is because there have to be, I think, in a society, uh, we have to look at free speech and just keep an eye on it um, uh, and, and, and make decisions about, you know, 
public safety and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we speak now as we're we're a couple of weeks out of the furore that was the the Joe Rogan COVID misinformation thing, right? So, yes. you know, as as we speak now, that that still has sort of echoes of relevance. Um, but you know, they wanted a, a place to say all podcasts you can be listed here. It has a great benefit because it's actually surprisingly a pain in the backside to get listed on Apple Podcasts because if you don't have an Apple uh, device, it is actually not easy. Mm. Um, and I think they're quite happy with that. <laughs> Whereas the podcast index, like, it's super easy to get in. Um, and apps can self-censor. Apps can decide, I want to block certain content, I want to block certain feeds, but they're not removed from the index, and that's, that's great. Um, and then the other initiative as part of that is something called the podcast namespace, which is um, a bunch of tech jargon uh, to help podcast apps understand content better. So we can do things like specify transcripts. We can say these are the people that were involved in a podcast uh, in making it. We can say this is the location that it was a uh, that that it related to, and that's information that we can put in our podcast metadata, basically uh, that apps can then read and and present to the to listeners. Uh, and so those are the those are the two things. Um, I, I'm I I'm very heartened by what they're trying to do especially with podcast uh, with the podcast namespace because i think the more that we can understand and the more we can get into granular metadata with with podcasts um the more we can aid people being able to leapfrog from show to show like i love the idea that you know if if a listener has enjoyed me rambling on then they might be able to just tap my name and here's other stuff that i've guested on or here's stuff that i've presented or whatever um and and that's that's enabled by, by what they're trying to do. The problem we have is um, one of adoption. And I've got some theories on that, which are possibly half-baked um, to do with attitudes. And I think it's quite psychological. Uh, they're old school podcasters. Um, and I think they still think in, in old school sort of mindsets. Um, they're very tech forward, like all of the apps that uh, support most of their stuff. We haven't even got into like the Bitcoin of it all because there's a lot of Bitcoin stuff involved. Yeah, um, I'm hoping they. We'll get to that. Okay, cool. Um, put a pin in that. Yeah, they they are. Um, I I think I would like to see them perhaps embrace some of the realities of the industry that we have it now, rather than trying to keep things a certain way and for a certain group of people. And I, I, they're not doing anything bad or wrong. Like they're, they're not, they're not being jerks about it. It's, it's nothing like that. I just think there is a, an attitudinal thing. Like they've got an attitude towards podcasting, but they've kept since 2004. And I think the medium has evolved. Um, and, and yeah. So as I say, half-baked ideas, um, but hopefully something I'll be able to actually commit to, to words and make them make sense soon. Yeah, I mean, so would you say that they're maybe like a little bit caught in the sort of underground pirate radio, like our little secret corner of the internet sort of thing? Yes. That the, the, yeah. the, like the early podcasts were were very much like, and now that you know the 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 format has kind of blown up. Um, potentially yes. in the absence of radio or, or I don't know what the, the reason for it is. Um, but, you know, that the, it's it's blown up and now they, they kind of haven't accepted it? Yes, I think um, the with my media studies university degree hat on, uh, I think it's about subcultures. I think podcaster used to be a subculture. Oh, it still is. Podcaster, like with a capital P, it was an internet subculture back in the days when the internet was full of subcultures, whether it was, you know, neo-goth or or whatever, like people congregated and, and identified themselves and it gets very in-group and out-group, you're part of our group. And that's, I think, the idea, that's, the, that's still the base that they're playing to. And you see it in the kinds of apps that get developed. They're almost all Android apps. They're, they've got a lot of Bitcoin stuff because that is, it's the sort of slightly hacker mindset, uh, which, you know, gave us podcasting to begin with. But the fact is now, as much as I, you know, I, I was sort of, I would say I was there. I was very much on the sidelines as, as an observer, but an interested one. Where we are now, 
the there are there's so much open access to podcasting it's so the barrier to entry is so low but that means it's much easier to make really good stuff when we talk about low barrier to entry we often think that's that just means that the crap stuff gets in whereas actually what it really enables is for people to make good stuff easier and so that means people who don't identify you know almost if not every single one of the clients that i work with be as an editor or as a a consultant um or as a podcast coach the people i work with none of them would define themselves as a podcast, if it's in their bio at all, it's, you know, somewhere sort of buried. Like it's not an identity they carry with them. Their podcast is still important to them and they still want to make a really good one, but they don't carry that, that piss and vinegar Mm -hmm. that, that the sort of podcasting subculture has grown up with. And that's the kind of, that's where I'd like to see more movement. I think, um, is, is to embrace the people that are making really good stuff and want to make quality stuff, um, but but don't necessarily have an opinion on uh, whether they should use a lightning node to accept um, Satoshis or not. <laughs> That's the real question, though, isn't it? <laughs> like- <laughs> That is that. You know, that's the fundamental one at the center of it all. Mm. I think you're, but you mm. are in a way you're um, sort of showing me that maybe I'm a little bit like old school in my thoughts, like because oh, you know that's how okay. I, you know, I, I, I really look yeah. at this as like my. Okay, so I, you know, I write some like I've written one, one and three quarters of a book. <laughs> it's almost there. <laughs> Uh, and then yeah i've got my other job and like i do some freelance stuff but for me like all of it is in pursuit of like getting this into a place Mm -hmm. where like this is the central thing i do because Mm -hmm. i really love long form conversation man and um either i'm gonna like stick apparently either i'm gonna i'm gonna like buck the trends or i'm gonna go out with the old school guys before i've made it (laughs) flame out before well you know better to burn out than fade away yeah (laughs) so um yeah to 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 come back then to the the bitcoiny side of things so Mm. what is it that they're trying to do with bitcoin and podcasting because it is a I like both of these things individually. It's but. a phenomenal, phenomenal idea, but I, 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 I find it difficult. The, the actual concept of it is brilliant, and when you look at what they're trying to do, it is great. The problem I have is I am I have been fairly opposed to Bitcoin and to cryptocurrency. Um, just based on a little bit based on the culture, but also just based on the fact I'm, I'm seeing a lot of excitement about it in the podcast space, which I love, but I don't see anyone. The massive elephant in the room is that it's knackering the environment and we're not addressing that. And that's disappointing to me. Like there's a lot of sensible podcasters in the space that I listen to and I follow and whose opinions I respect. Um, but they're they're asking people to stream Satoshis or Satoshis to them, and they're not really thinking about the fact that this stuff uses so much energy. And I know, I know, there's proof of stake versus proof of work. Doesn't matter. It, it's 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 not enough of a of a uh, a change. Um, it is. I think it generates a lot more waste and a lot more wasted energy than the problem it solves, which Bitcoin doesn't solve a problem that exists. Bitcoin's a great idea. It doesn't solve an actual problem people have. It's just a really cool idea to have decentralized currency. No one actually needs that. Um, and Ooh, so I'm going to strongly disagree there, but we'll not get into that. Excellent. Oh, no, 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 go, 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 go. Okay. Yeah. You I, can want it, but I don't think we need it. I, I think that, Okay, you might want you might you might get in on the the definition of want and need here, but like, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, one of the things that I've become incredibly aware of over the past couple of years, like first in my book um, breaks at the establishment civil war, and then um, in my book about GameStop and just learning like a, an extreme amount about 
global finance and um, how the monetary system works and how the stock market works. And, and because I've had the opportunity to interview many, like very, very much more intelligent people than myself on this show. And I have come to the conclusion that there is no way that the current system we have does not just end in collapse because mm -hmm. of endless printing of money. That's basically mm -hmm. what I, I, I've witnessed them. I've witnessed the, the people who are meant to be in charge and the ones who are meant to know better consistently just ignore all historical precedents. Like, look at what, like, look at, obviously there's a lot of factors driving inflation at the minute, but the fact that we printed like obscene amounts of money, and it's like, right, you can, you can make the case that that was, that was necessary and justified. And it's like, right, fair enough. But you should have known. No, it's bonkers. You, you it's should bonkers. have known it that is, that is going to yeah. cause some level of inflation. And then when I witness mm -hmm. like like financial new newspapers and magazines being like, "Oh, no one saw inflation coming," and it's like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> and these are yeah. the people that are also being like, "Well, it doesn't matter that we're just printing money," and it constantly devalues people's like uh, the 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 money that ordinary people have whilst it ends like all it does it seems to continuously like pump the the capital upwards and it is like further exacerbated by all the printing of money and then it just it's mm -hmm. this awful cycle and i feel like bitcoin can at least stop that being as destructive to an economy mm -hmm. because it would at least mean that the the, uh, the currency wasn't inflationary it wasn't in the control of the people who seem to ignore all the effects of printing loads of it and um, would at least decentralize in some way the amount of power that the financial industry has got. And that is why I believe it is necessary. So there you go. There's my... <laughs> I, I get that. Um, I, I think the problems that you're citing are with capitalism and greed, which I don't think are solved by Bitcoin. Uh, I think we get into, I think we, we will find a way to get into the same system because I know like we have the, 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 the smart idea of there's only so many um, coin coins or coin that can be minted um, or that can be mined, sorry, under the, the Bitcoin system. But then with, with the fact that there are different networks and different um, schemes that, that people can jump around on, like, yeah, you'll use up all of that Bitcoin and then we'll jump to a new system. And then, yes, the the, the whole thing will have to uh, migrate to a new network because we're we're now off the Bitcoin network and we're on to Bitcoin Cash or we're on to some other network. Maybe it's faster or whatever. And then we'll, the next leap from that is, is the financial system goes, okay, well, what we need now is we know that we keep using up all of the resources in this network. So what we need is to build our financial system so that it can survive on any network. And then we just end up in the same problem. We, we, we have the same, the same mindset that we, we will, it's what um, uh, agent Smith talked about in the matrix. Um, when he's, when he's got Morpheus in the chair, he's like, you know, we, we, we use We go to a little area and we use up all of the resources. Then we move to the next one. I think that's just, our nature um and i think capitalism is it, that's what we're what we're seeing we're seeing greed we're seeing sort of avarice and we're seeing um like recklessness and and a lack of not foresight but a lack of wanting to be accountable a lack of mm -hmm. uh that kind of stuff and i i don't see that changing in bitcoin i think there'll just be other ways to root around that yeah. that issue I mean, I don't disagree with what you said. <laughs> I mean, my 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 argument would be that the things that we are witness, that like what you're describing is as like greed and capitalism. This is like it, it it is a function of that, right? But I feel that the system that we currently have has allowed so much power to to accumulate in the hands of so few. Mm -hmm. that we cannot like that we need to build a way for people to transact and interact that isn't so so just entrenched in this like central system and i don't even that doesn't even mean necessarily to me that bitcoin is like the ultimate answer it's just mm -hmm. the best one i've seen mm -hmm. um so far but like for me it's a case of i i, I think that 
we have allowed the system to degrade because obviously there's that greed and and the sort of negative aspects of capitalism but my ultimate belief is that in a in a good society we will keep those things in check and that we have failed to since about mm. 1980 mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean it's impossible that just means no, we've been it's bad absolutely at it. not yeah 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 and that's what, oh, it's that's not even that we're bad at it. It's so we don't intend to. That's the problem. The people <laughs> in charge have no intention of keeping that keeping that stuff in check, um, because the, and, and there's always an excuse. You know, there's always the the fallback of like, well, our stock, uh, our, our shareholders demand this certain things, and there's this misc there's this myth that a company that the, the fiduciary duty of a company to their shareholders gets twisted to the nth degree so much that like it means they can do anything that they want to because their shareholders demand it it's like it doesn't work like that um yeah i <laughs> um i understand that my uh you know i i often say things and i'm like well this is the fact and then people are like well no it definitely isn't <laughs> a fact mark that's just your opinion dressed as a fact but yeah i i've yet to and i i i do take your point but like i said i I mean, I could be wrong. I, I could be totally no, no, wrong. No, no, it, it, it's, it's more just like, uh, I don't know. Sometimes things just have a stink about them. And, um, and, and I think from, from my perspective, it's like, I don't particularly worry that much about, about what's going on. And I, I think the blockchain is a really cool idea. I like the idea of a distributed, distributed ledger that is a record of these transactions happened. Like that, that is useful in so many ways mm -hmm. um, to, to be able to track anything. Yes. That's, also, that's another reason why I believe that like we probably yeah. need to get out of the current financial system because yeah. it's so rooted in opacity and smoke mm -hmm. and mirrors and money being skimmed from places that no one can realize. And uh, yeah, you see, I, I, I foresee this massive reckoning coming, but I don't know who's going to win or how bad it's going to get or, or what's mm. going to happen. Because like it could be we have a bit of a wobble and then, you know, some regulations get put in place and we make a few changes and it's all right. And it's kind of maybe sort of stumbles through. But it could go where like everything just absolutely... Like, if people who are saying that the system is as over leveraged and as built on debt and as like on the absolute precipice as people like Peter Schiff seem to constantly think it is, um, it's gonna, it, I, I, we're gonna have some monstrous economic crash that could make 2008 look, look, look easy. And yeah. uh, that's terrifying. And I don't think it's, it's like out of the realms of possibility either. Like when you look at, all of the indicators that like just suggest that you know we're where we were before every other major crash except worse <laughs> yeah, it's not I, it's not like positive reading <laughs> no um there's the great um muse track which is the end of my favorite of their albums i think um was it the fourth law um and it's this track called unsustainable and mm. it's a kind of um, I think uh, uh, there's a bit of a metaphor for talks about the financial crash, but also um, it's like entropy and also and it, its whole thing is like any any system that's based on constant growth um, is is unsustainable mm -hmm. and uh, it's a belter of a track um, and it's yeah it's just we have got a broken system and no one's looking into it uh, i i yeah i mean i'm not equipped to have this conversation um <laughs> neither am i, and I obviously i've week. got opinions <laughs> yeah but you've i mean you know you've spoken to people i'm just here going oh this is what i think um but <laughs> uh but like if, if i take it if, if i'd sort of take us back to podcasting uh yes. where i feel safe yes um i i worry more about because you know they're not necessarily thinking about the wider financial services sort of uh, the, the you know wider financial uh, looming iceberg um it is a phenomenally cool way because what i haven't explained is that the the actual way that, that this system works is i've been talking about streaming satoshis uh, which are these you know tiny um fractions of fractions of fractions of bitcoin. of bitcoin yeah yeah um that you you stream a set number um, as you're listening to the podcast that that you like, um, 
and you can boost so you can send a few more uh, for if there's a bit that you particularly like but constantly you're streaming these tiny minuscule you know amounts of money um and that doesn't just go to one podcaster. You can set up in your feed, in your metadata, you can say, here are all of the people, here are their wallet addresses, their Bitcoin wallet addresses, which is on Lightning, um, where I these people should get paid in these uh, in in this ratio. And the the apps just do it. And that's that's amazing. That is such a cool idea because you as the listener barely notice anything. You know, you you'll charge up your wallet every now and again. Uh, with with a little bit more money, you know, five dollars, um, and it's that whole thing of, you know, if if you look at the number of listeners that that a podcast you know needs to be successful, um, or you look at the number of of listeners that podcasts can have, and if each one of those just put in a penny per episode, you know how how well off the podcaster would be, um, and it's not even a penny per episode, uh, but. Yeah, it's it's such I, I think a, a phenomenal idea, um, and I understand why podcasters are excited by it. Um, we're always looking for ways that we can either make money or uh, grow our audience. Uh, obviously, the concern that I have is that I hear all the excitement and I and I share the um, the enthusiasm, but I'm just I'm concerned because no one is talking about the environmental impact. Mm. Uh, no one within the podcasting community is saying to people, listen, this is a great idea, but do you really want to back this horse? And I, 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 that's what I find really difficult. I feel like it's irresponsible um, given where we are with the other looming iceberg, which is the actual fact that icebergs are melting. Uh, and I'm not a massive environmentalist. Mm. I'm not. I'm not. As much as we talked earlier about my life coach, you know, moving me to, to a vegan um, lifestyle, I'm not like a big environmentalist. But I, I find it hard to ignore mm. uh, that that stuff um, is is there and it's an issue. And, and we're bringing more and more people on and creating more and more of these um, Sudoku puzzles that we we make computers solve. And <laughs> Maybe when it gets adopted by actual humans, as opposed to sort of you know Bitcoin enthusiasts and traders and stuff. When like my my I was gonna say my brother, but he's a bad example because he started buying Bitcoin as a an investment. Um, but like you know when when my aunt has has got her Bitcoin wallet, then maybe that changes things. But at the moment, it's kind of like the early days of Patreon. I think everybody's passing around the same $20 <laughs> between creators. Yeah. Um, and and it's just that that is generating a lot of heat and a lot of energy. And I don't like it. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't in all I, good conscience. I would, I would, now this is, this is massive pinch of salt here, right? I would go and look because as far as I was aware, mm -hmm. moving out of China was, had actually had like a really big impact on the mm -hmm. amount of renewable energy being used to mine Bitcoin specifically, mm -hmm. actually. And that I, I had read, and again, massive pinch of salt, that there was something like estimated like 70% of the energy is using is coming from re renewable sources at this point. Mm -hmm. Again, huge pinches of salt. Yeah, yeah. And the other cool thing that I'd read about was um, using mining rigs in um, either low income or uh, old people's homes um as heating um and the, the people like yeah um and it's a concept being used in like finland so they're heating people's homes with bitcoin mining rigs um which is i thought was just genius um so like especially if you're talking like scandinavia you could be like using geothermal power to mine bitcoin and heat your home and and for me, I think a lot. Like I I do agree that it's it's not good if we're pumping out a shit ton of electric. It's a little, it sounds like a waste of a lot of energy. But that's that that's because that's what it is. Because that that heat is a waste byproduct mm -hmm. of the energy. And like I get but it. If you're and heating and the, your home. Like, yeah, yeah. I get. I I guess. I guess and I'm more. I'm is, just. I'm I'm optimistic on the possibilities for it rather than the exact absolutely. situation right now. And I want to be. I I've spent time watching trying to watch videos video essays from different points of view because i want to be convinced i actually i do but i don't want to be like um sleep sleepwalked into it or mm. like I, I i want to be discerning i do want to be persuaded 
mm. but I want to be persuaded in a way that I can actually look and go, no, I understand that, you know, I, I, now I understand this. Um, whereas I have this sort of bad, bad smell and I can't, nothing I've watched yet or nothing I've read and people I've spoken to hasn't removed that smell, but I do want that smell to be removed. Um, because I, I do think, um, yeah, if, if, if that becomes something that we can really make neutral, mm-hmm. um, genuinely neutral with no caveats, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's, let's make this happen because I do see the, the benefits. Well, so, you know, obviously. Yeah, I think that's a nice place. But to then, then we have it. to address the Bitcoin culture, which is just a different thing. Yeah, but that's just people. Weirdness. People are toxic. <laughs> that's like people. Everything. Exactly. And we've already, yeah, we've, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, that's. I feel like that's a nice place to finish. Like a lot, you, you know, you want to be persuaded. That's a good. That's a good sort of metaphor for everyone's life. You know, you should, you should want to be persuaded that you're wrong because then if you can't be, it means that either you've got a better argument or um, you're too stupid to realize it. In which case, go have fun with that. Uh, (laughs) Be curious, (laughs) please. that's the thing like ignorance gets a bad rap um because you know ignorance is just a it's just a hole that that needs to be filled and and if you're willing on oh dear i've got driven myself into a hole here like if you're willing on getting your hole filled but if you're willing to accept that there are gaps in your knowledge and uh there are things that you are going to be wrong about like that's the only way we grow um you know this it's the the only way we we have to learn by getting stuff wrong and sometimes by getting red faced and, and, and um, yeah, I, I think being open to that and just being open to being okay. I was wrong about that. Um, is that's a, that's a great place to be. So yeah, be curious. Wonderful. Well, Mark, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure. Really want to thank you uh, for your time. Thank you. Um, this has been lovely. Yeah. Do you want do you want to direct people towards some of your stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> if I haven't, um, if I've persuaded you that you want to hear more of what I have to say, then um, all of my stuff, everything I know about podcasting, uh, I'm em- slowly uh, every week I'm emptying my brain of that uh, and putting it over at podcode.co. So podcode.co uh, is my little website. And um, yeah, if if you're interested in podcasting or you just want to know sort of what's what's happening, then uh, that's a good place uh, to go. Or otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at a Mark Stedman. Wonderful. Well, lovely. Thanks very much, man. Thank you. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. If you want to leave us a comment, that would be awesome. Please like, share, subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple, please leave us a review. Until next time, thanks for listening.